0: This is Linux Reality, Episode 22, Audio Players. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you all had a great week. We've got a lot of good stuff to get to this week, including our first listener-contributed listener tip, which is really cool. All right, uh, but before we begin, I'd like to mention a few housekeeping items. Uh, First, I want to thank those of you who have contacted me by email and and, uh, sent me some feedback. I've got a lot of really great email this week, and I've tried to respond to as many as I could, and I just really do appreciate all the email and all the feedback. It's just really fantastic. Uh, You all probably don't realize how much I appreciate it and and, uh, how much I count on it to keep me going, so thank you very much. Uh, second, I wanted to let folks know that I've set up an email notification system on the Linux Reality homepage, uh, so if you'd like to receive an automatic email whenever there's a new episode, just feel free to sign up. You just go to the Linux Reality website, and uh, on the main page there, in the right-hand column, there's a place, a box where you can type in your email and, and subscribe. So uh, obviously, uh, I don't think I need to say this, but uh, uh, your email's not going to be used for, for anything other than this email system, so don't worry about that. Um, let's see third thing I want to solicit some input on something a couple people have asked me about the possibility of having a voicemail system or voicemail number where people can call and leave me an audio feedback or maybe even a listener tip or something like that Um, I've I've listened to other podcasts that have this kind of thing and it's you know there's different uh, services free services out there on the web I've googled for some and I just haven't really found anything that that seems exactly right so there's anybody out there uh, who has any tips on any any uh, good you know free uh, voicemail services uh, please let me know you know other podcasters or just other folks who've listened to podcasts if you just or if you just know of of one I guess a couple things there's a few out there I've noticed that require some sort of proprietary software to listen to the audio files they send you well obviously being on Linux that's probably not going to work so um, I'd rather have there's others where they just it just emails you an mp3 or a WAV file or something that's that's what I would prefer. Obviously, it's got to be free. I mean, my costs are. I'm trying to contain them, and I've gotten some great donations, and I sure do appreciate that. But, but I don't want to add to the cost of the of the of the program. So, I'd like it to be free. And, um, I mean, if it's a toll-free number, that'd be great. But I think a lot of the free services are 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 not toll-free. So. For the for the people calling, it's not free, but uh, hopefully that's just an easy way to spread the cost. So if you have any thoughts on that, if you have any suggestions, please let me know. Just send me an email at linuxreality at gmail.com. Okay, last week we talked about email clients, and I think that went over really well. Um, of course, I didn't get to every single email client out there, and obviously a lot of people don't use email clients that much anymore, what with webmail and you know Gmail and Yahoo Mail and all that kind of stuff, but... But I think it's it's good just to know about the options that are out there, and uh, you know actually it's kind of funny. Um, I mentioned in that episode that that you know I've I've used a email program called Mutt from time to time. It was one of the ones I talked about. Well, since doing that podcast, I've I don't know why I just kind of took a look at it again, and and I really like it. I just I really like using Mutt. It's kind of tricky to configure, and you know it's you got to get it. You gotta, it takes some work to get it set up, but it seems extremely powerful and extremely configurable. So you know, if you're feeling adventurous and feel like trying your hand at, at you know using a command line or you know text-based uh, tool for for your email, please check it out. And actually, there's a there's a fork, if you will, called mutt, uh, mutt Next Generation or mutt NG, and it adds a few additional options that are that are not available in the regular mutt client. So anyway, just thought I'd mention that. Okay, let's see. We're going to take a look at some uh, audio applications this week, and um, uh, namely, uh, music players. First, though, let's get to some listener feedback. Message for you, sir. Okay, I got two emails I want to get to this week. First is uh, from Lee. And Lee says, Chess, thanks for, your, uh, uh, thanks for putting together a great podcast. I just started getting into Linux around about the first episode, and now I'm hooked. I try to use, use Linux when I can, and I have it on my work PC in a virtual player session, so I can use it there, too. The virtual player also gives me the opportunity to try out new distros while running Windows for my work stuff. I would thoroughly recommend this setup to others who are in the same position. Coming from Windows, I have a good understanding of the file extensions. For example, EXE, JPEG, GIF, etc., and what they mean and, and what their associations are, but the Linux file extensions confuse me still. I often see filename.c or filename.pl, etc., and I'm unsure how to run these. I try to work from the command line where possible as I agree with you about the power of the command line and that when things go wrong, it will probably be there that you will be working from. It would be great to hear a show on file extensions and associations as getting a good grounding in this area is going to be beneficial to users of all levels. Once again, thanks for the first. Uh, thanks for the time and effort you put in, and I know you're helping a lot of future Linux users. All the best. Well, Lee, that's a great email. Thank you very much, and I sure do appreciate that feedback. And your point on the file extensions and associations is a good one, and that's probably, uh, a, that is a good topic for an episode, so I think I will put that down. Um, you know, the interesting thing is, as far as I understand it, uh, Linux doesn't really require file, file extensions. I think it's you know, generally speaking, that is, uh, I think it's quite common for certain files, especially graphics, you know, .png, or GIF, or JPEG, like those you you mentioned, or scripts, you know, .pl, I think it's a, uh, it's a Perl script, Um, .py, .py Python, uh, a bash shell script is often .sh, but I, I, I don't believe those are technically required, I may be wrong about that, but but you're right, I, there, there is some some nuances there, and there are some things that I could pass along about that that I've learned that, that hopefully will help others. So, good idea for an episode. Thank you very much, Lee. And then I got an email from Janet, and Janet says, Chess, you are doing a fantastic job with the podcast. As a female Linux user, I sometimes find the Linux community a bit difficult to deal with, and I prefer someone who will help out the new users with a friendly attitude, and you certainly have that. Please keep it up. Janet. Well Janet that's awfully nice. Thank you very much. I sure do appreciate that. And, and um yeah, I, I don't know why it does sort of seem that there's a disproportionate number of of uh, male users in the Linux community. I don't I don't really know why that is, but um you know, it's my goal just to help out new users. It doesn't, you know, I mean Linux is a I've mentioned this before. It's a very it's a very community-based project. It's a it's a international community operating system. And so That means Linux is open to, and this podcast is for new users, experienced users, old, young, male, female, from all backgrounds, all walks of life, I mean, everybody. You know, Linux is, you know, it's power to the people type thing, and that's really what this podcast is for, too. So I'm glad that you're enjoying it and and that uh, you find it helpful, and and, um, please let all your friends know and anybody else you happen to run into that, uh, you know... My goal is to make this a, a, a place where new users feel welcome and I try to explain things as, as easy you know as easily as I can. So anyway, thanks very much, Janet. I really do appreciate that. Okay. well with that, I mentioned that I got my first listener tip, so uh, let's go check it out.
1: To start, press any key. Where's the any key? I see esque, Katarl, and pig
0: up. It doesn't seem to be any any key. Okay, uh, before I play it, actually, I wanted to clarify something. Last week I had said that I had not received any listener tips. And uh, that wasn't exactly true. Well, actually, actually, it was true when I, when I recorded that. But shortly after that, and before last episode came out, I did receive uh, a tip from Gerard. And so that was my first one. So congratulations, Gerard. You are the first contributor to the listener tips section. Thank you so much. I wasn't able to get it into last week's episode. So here it is. Let's check it out.
1: Hello, Chess. My name is Gerard Doet from the Netherlands. And I want to make a contribution to your segment, Listener Tips. The subject is dependencies to old versions of libraries. With Yast, I installed the printer and the installation showed the dependency to a library it's called lipopt.so.0. Now on the SUSE DVD I only found the .1 from that library I assume it's a newer version so I installed the driver without fulfilling the dependencies but then the printer didn't work uh, then after uh, looking on bo- uh, boards and so on I made a link file to the library dot .1 and named it the dot .0 so I have now a real library uh, one, and I have a link file which points to that library and it's named dot zero. So now the printer works. Okay, that was my tip. I hope it is a tip. So maybe you can comment on it.
0: Okay, what Gerard was saying was that he had to use a sim link, a symbolic link, uh, to create uh, a, a file that his printer was looking for. Basically it sounds to me like his printer driver or something was looking for an old version of a particular library and it was the dot .0 version, and his distro, uh, SUSE, I think he said, had the dot .1 version. So, for example, it was looking for libabc.0, and his distro had libabc.1 instead. So what he did was he created a link, a, a symbolic link. It's kind of like a shortcut in Windows, sort of, and uh, he created a link and called it libabc.0. So there was something there for his printer driver to find, and uh, it's a nifty little trick and it works sometimes (laughs) it doesn't always work but uh, it did work in this case just so you know the um, the syntax for the for the symbolic link if you drop into the command line it would be LN space dash s that means symbolic dash I mean space uh, the target name so so the name of the file you're linking to space the name of your link so for example in in his case it would have been l n space dash s space lib a b c dot one space lib a b c dot zero and that created a link like a shortcut dot zero points to dot one and uh and that worked so Great, Gerard. Thank you so much for contributing that. I sure do appreciate it. And for anybody else, if you've got a little tip, just a quick little something, that would be great. It can be 30 seconds. It can be, you know, two minutes. Just, no, you know, no more than five minutes. But please record it, uh, MP3, AUG, Wave, whatever, and just email it to me at linuxreality at gmail.com. And I'd like to play it and uh, get it in the show. Thanks very much. All right, let's get to the main segment this week, Audio players. <laughs> All right, now my my thought process for this particular episode was to talk about audio players. So in other words, I'm not going to be talking about audio recorders or programs that manipulate audio like Audacity or those kinds of things. That's not really what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is applications to play your audio CDs and your audio MP3s, AUGs, Waves, you know, whatever, whatever your music library. So that's the so, sort of the gist of it. And I've kind of broken it down to a few different groups. The first group is sort of general audio slash CD players. And what I mean by these are these are just little, these are applications that will just, you you know, it'll either play this, play a CD that's in the CD player, or it will play a single file. Or maybe, you know, you can kind of browse and, and load up a list of files, but it doesn't really manage a library or anything like that. It just plays whatever you point it to. So the first one, sort of the, the stalwart, I guess, sort of the, the, the base application that I think is available for almost every single distribution is called XMMS. And XMMS is a clone of the old Winamp program you may remember uh, in Windows. I don't even know if they developed that anymore, but it's a very you know standard look and, look and feel, and it will play uh, audio files that you have on your computer, or it will play your CDs. You know if you pop in a music CD in your computer it will play that. Now it's a little tricky. When you first run XMMS, it's hard to find where the where the menu is and you have to go to the way into the upper left corner and click. You can barely it doesn't even look like there's a button there. It's kind of a not the it's not that really the best user interface, I think. But anyway, if you click in the upper left-hand corner, then a menu will drop down and that's where you can go into configure your preferences. And you might need to go into preferences and then plugins to make sure that there's a plugin for you know the C D and for if you have MP three support enabled in your distribution that there's a that there's a plugin in there for that as well. So uh, you know, if you're having trouble hearing anything, go to the preferences and then the plugins section and poke around there and you should be able to figure out what you need to do to kind of enable the you know, the C D ROM or the MP three or whatever it is. Uh that's really the basic one. Now Xmms is kind of an older application. It's a GTK one application. You may remember last week I talked about GTK two or GTK plus, I guess, and that's the, the the toolkit that's used for GNOME these days. Well, GTK one is the previous version, and you know the fonts aren't as pretty and it's kind of plain looking. But Xmms is a GTK one application. Well, obviously, you know a lot of people like Xmms and it's sort of a classic. So. There have been several different versions, GTK2 versions of XMMS. I think the first one was called Beat Media Player, and that's still included, I think, in a lot of distributions, although it's technically no longer uh, maintained, as far as I know. Uh, Then there's BMPX, which is very similar. These all look almost identical. I mean, they're all the same sort of Winamp-looking application. Uh, So there's BMPX, and then there is um, Audacious, that is the, I guess, the currently maintained XMMS clone, you know, GTK2 version of XMMS is called Audacious. So in this sort of general component, I kind of put XMMS slash beep slash BMPX slash Audacious in the same little group because they're all very similar. Then the other kind of general applications I think of are just sort of the basic CD/audio slash playing applications well like xmms i guess what i'm thinking of is is the ones that come with the different desktop environments for example in kde you have kscd as a cd player for kde and you have the gnome cd player in gnome there's also in uh in kde the uh, no noatun i don't even know if that's exactly how you say it but n o a t u n is kind of a simple audio player now, some of these audio players, XMMS does not have this, but some of the others will have a notification area icon or system tray icon. I've mentioned the system tray before. That's the, it's a little place in your KDE panel, in the Kicker panel, or in your GNOME panel, where, you know, certain applications will put an icon there that you can then, you can still see when the application is closed, and it will pop up messages, or you can control the application, for example, well. Most of these dist- most of these um, applications, not all of them, but most of them will have something like that. So it'll put a little icon there. You know, you can close the player, but the icon will still be there, and then you can control it. You know, stop, pause, skip. You know, raise the volume. Usually, that that capability is there. Okay, so you have the XMMS variants. Then you have sort of the CD players, KS CD, GNOME CD player, NoAtoon. The next sort of group I was thinking of is the CD rippers, and again there's sort of a mainstay here and i i think that's grip or grip it's been around a long time and it is a cd ripping program only that's pretty much all it does but it's very full featured it you know you can go behind the scenes of it in some of the configuration settings and really get down into the uh, into the bit rates and the you know all the you know all the different settings for the mp3 encoding or the different encoding that you use and uh it's it's it I think it also has access to the CDDB uh, service you know that's where these applications will go online and pull down the artist information and the album and the tracks and all of that uh so grip is is really the standard that's a that's a gold standard i think in in linux just because it's been around for so long there's a couple others i've i've played with one is ripper x i think that's i think that's still kind of an older application it's been a long time since i've used it uh, but some of the others, some of the more recent ones that I've used are SoundJuicer and Goobox, and those are all very good applications. And again, similar to Grip in the sense that they'll get the track information, and and uh, and that way when they rip the rip the music, you know, it'll put the track as the name of the file and, and all that. You know, you can and you can play with the MP3 tags, in other words. So those are the CD rippers: uh, Grip, uh, SoundJuicer, Goobox, and RipperX. Then um, I was thinking of sort of more more full-featured audio applications. I don't really know how to describe it, but ones that are specific to KDE or GNOME. So, for example, in KDE, there's there's really three. There's uh, Amarok, there's Kaboodle, and then there's uh, Juke, uh, J-U-K. Out of these three, Amarok is probably the most full-featured. In fact, out of all the applications I'll mention, Amarok is probably the best, I don't use it cuz I tend to not use KDE um but I have I mean without question it seems to be the most full featured it's amazing what this thing can do I mean in terms of getting it's you know the album art and and it has like a built-in little browser for wikipedia or something and it's just I mean you can you know have the playlist count it's just amazing what this thing can do it's 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 just amazing so uh, if anything I would check out Amarok it's uh, extremely full featured and uh, you know, for some people it may be too much, uh, but it it certainly is. In fact, I think it won the LinuxQuestions.org awards or whatever it is this past year. So, it's an excellent uh, audio application. Then there's Kaboodle and Juke, and those are more simple. Um, I think Juke, it, you know, it can manage a, a library, so you can point it to a particular folder, and it will go in and search and you know pull out all the information, and all that kind of like iTunes, sort of. But uh, those are not nearly as full-featured as MROC, but uh, a little bit more streamlined, but both excellent, also very excellent applications. And again, all of these have these, you know, notification icons, that that system tray icons that let you manage the application from the system tray. Juke also has a way you can, I think it's pretty cool, you can um, add and edit the MP3 tags from within the application itself. So that's kind of nifty. Uh, in uh, in GNOME, you've got a, you've got two choices right now, really, and one is a Mono application called Banshee, and the other one is called Rhythmbox. Now, Mono is you may have heard of .NET. .NET is a Microsoft application framework. It's it's basically a way for software developers to write applications, and in fact, some of the newer Microsoft or Windows applications I've seen require .NET. If you try to install it. It'll install .NET alongside the application. Well, Mono, which was originally developed at Zimian, which is a company I've mentioned them before that was bought by Novell, they uh, created a they have created an open source implementation of .NET. So it's it's I don't know if they reverse engineered it or how they did it exactly, but but so Mono is like .NET in the sense that if you're going to run a Mono application, you've got to have mono installed on your linux distribution it can be a little tricky to install mono but most most uh, distributions like you know ubuntu and Suse, they have packages that will install mono for you and so banshee is one of the mono one of the new mono applications there's three mono applications that i know of well i shouldn't say there's just three there's three Biggies that I keep hearing talked about for the desktop one is Banshee one is f-spot Which is a photo manipulation program and one is diva, which is going to be a video editor kind of like iMovie Those three mono applications are going to be fantastic. I think But they're still a little bit alpha. So if you use gnome you can try out Banshee. I Have it and I've used it and it's really it's very promising. It's pretty exciting. Uh, It does crash sometimes, but you know, uh, it can manage podcasts and radio stations. I mean, MROC can do that, too. I, I don't know if it does anything that MROC cannot do, but it's just a really nice interface, very simple and user-friendly. I mean, it's it's much better than iTunes, I think. Rhythmbox, on the other hand, is is another GNOME application. It does, it's not mono, so you don't need mono for Rhythmbox. It looks a lot more like um, iTunes. I mean, I mean, it almost seems like it was really modeled after iTunes, which is not a bad thing, I guess. But it will, you know, manage your library and also let you subscribe to podcasts and whatnot. So, uh, but those two are both really good. I would check them both out if you use Gnome or if you like GTK applications. And then, you know, use something like Beat Media Player or BMPX or, or Audacious for just your basic, you know, audio playing. And then if you're in KDE, of course, I would use MROC for sure. Uh, okay, so those were sort of the KDE and Gnome applications. And then the last of... The last grouping I'd mentioned, and this is kind of cool, is a music server daemon. Um, A music server daemon is a, uh, you know, well, a daemon is a little application that runs in the background that, you know, a service or server uh, that will, you know, like SSH or something that runs in the background and then you can access it for something. Well, there's something called MPD, music player daemon. And it basically acts as a music server. So you could have a spare computer with all your music on it, sitting on your networks in a closet somewhere, put all your music on there, have the MPD daemon running, and then your other workstations, your other computers on the network, can connect to it and access the library. Very cool stuff. So you need the MPD daemon on the server end, and then on the workstations you need MP clients or music player clients and there's a bunch of clients. There's in Gnome there's the GNOME Music Player uh, GMPD and also there's one called Clurp. Both of those I tend to use the GNOME music player. Glurp is also pretty good. Um, in KDE there's one called KMP, which is the KDE music player client. And then there's two command lines uh uh clients, MPC and NC MPC. Those are both command line clients. So if you what's really cool, so if, you know if you boot into pure text mode and you're not running a graphical environment at all. Obviously you couldn't run any of these applications I just talked about because those are all GUI applications. But if you have your music being served by the MPD uh, server, you can use one of these command line applications and access it and play music from the command line. <laughs> it's really pretty cool. Or, you know, over SSH or something like that. So and I've also seen ways that people can use the MPD with IceCast, which is safe it's like an open-source um, streaming, kind of like Shoutcast, I guess. It's like a streaming server or something. I've never played with it, but I think it looks pretty cool. And uh, I've seen people who have set up their music so they can serve it over the Internet so they can access it from work and stream it over the Internet and listen to it at work. That's pretty nifty. I may have to – that may be a project I have to play with. But anyway, if you feel like messing around with the uh, MPD, uh, Damon, I, I recommend it. It works really well. It's pretty nifty. You can create playlists, of course, and all of that and, and uh works works really well. So all right, with that I think it's time to wrap it up. okay well thanks again everybody and, and uh, thanks to those of you who have, you know, sent me the listener tips I've gotten one or two more so I've got a couple others who are working on some but please keep them coming I like to kind of have a set of them that I can use my goal is to just do one a week but you know if I get a lot then I'll do two a week so that's I got no problem with that so keep sending them um, and send me emails feedback and audio feedback and that sort of thing all of that stuff can be sent to Linux at gmail.com very easy to remember um, Let's see. Also, if you have any suggestions on the voicemail thing that I mentioned in the very beginning, please let me know. Again, send it to that same email, linuxreality at gmail.com. Of course, I've mentioned this before. Check out the forums and the Frapper map, And, uh, you know, we've got some really good, good conversations and good threads in the forums. It's become very active, and that's just awesome to see. So thanks to all of you who are participating in the forums. Uh, next week, we're going to continue this trend of looking at groups of applications, and I think we'll take a look at some word processors, office suites, spreadsheets, you know, that kind of productivity stuff. So I think that'll be really cool. Until then, this has been Linux Reality, episode 22. Catch you all next time, everyone. Bye bye.